0: Hello and welcome to Asia In Depth. I'm Abby Seif. One of the world's most successful and inspiring athletes is a person you probably have never heard of. Sana Mir is the former captain of Pakistan's national women's cricket team and is among the top female cricketers in the world. Mir is much more than an athlete. She's a source of inspiration for millions of girls. She's also a fierce activist, using her outsized celebrity to advocate for everything from mental health awareness to an end to body shaming. Muir has always been something of a leader. As a child, her family moved around a lot. In each new neighborhood, she went door-to-door, gathering kids to build a cricket team. As she grew older, though, strict gender norms put an end to her street cricket days. Muir walked away from the game and focused on her studies, thinking that was it. Three years later, her mother passed her a newspaper article on the new women's cricket team. They were holding tryouts, and the rest is history. Mir is part of Asia Society's Asia 21 Young Leaders program and was recently honored with an Asia Game Changer Award. Tom Nagorski spoke with Mir about her extraordinary life and what drives her on the pitch and off.
1: Sana Mir, uh, welcome to the Asia Society. Thank you so much for joining us. You have been an inspiration uh, on the field and off to so many people in your country and your part of the world, but you've inspired us as well uh, in your visit to New York and we wanted to start just with a quick word about what you were doing just before you came here Uh, i gather you had visitors from the british royal family and you played a little cricket with prince william and and kate middleton so what was that all about
2: thank you so much for having me over here and helping me meet some incredible leaders from around the world I'm, i'm very humbled um, yes, I think it was a, quite an interesting day for all of us, all the cricketers, all the schoolgirls and boys, uh, to play with uh, the Prince and Princess uh, of Cambridge. So it was quite a fun fun time. You, you don't get that kind of opportunities very often. I was at the slips when Prince Williams uh, uh, was playing, so it was quite oh, good. really? And bowling to the princess, so it was quite nice.
1: He said afterwards that his game needed a little work.
2: <laughs> I think uh, we all uh, know, he, I think they were great sport. Um, I think uh, coming out there in public and being vulnerable when you are the royalties, I think it, it shows great character. So we really enjoyed, enjoyed uh, playing cricket with them.
1: Okay, let's go back to the beginning uh, in terms of your uh, life as a cricketer and all the other things you've done since. And as I assume our listeners know, cricket is king in much of Asia. Uh, certainly in your uh, country, Pakistan, and in South Asia, uh, and beyond. After soccer, I think cricket has the second highest fan following uh, of any sport in the world, and even though it's it's fairly poorly understood, I would say, here in the United States. You grew up in different parts of Pakistan, um, and it was never difficult, I gather, to find a game in the neighborhood, but it could be very difficult to get into the game if you were a girl. So what did it take and how did you do it and just talk a little bit if you would about uh, when you were a girl and you started to want to play the game
2: so now that you are asking me I'm just reminded that I never actually I think only a couple of times I went in to try to play into a team. Otherwise, I would just build a team. Because whenever my father would be posted to a different city, my my parents would be looking for schools to send me in. And I would be looking at the neighbors and their kids, how many kids they have got. So how I could make a team. So every neighborhood I went to, I made a new team. And we started playing. So I, I took the initiative. So I think that way I I never had to like. You didn't have ask, to get into somebody else's. Yeah, gear. some some somebody else's. But there were a few times when, of course, when the na- neighborhood already had a team. So I, I had to go and field for a few days because as a girl, they would not let me bat and ball in the first couple of matches. So they would say, no, you might get hit by the ball or something. So I would just patiently field for a couple of days. And then the once, the one moment I got a chance to bat and ball, that was it. Then I was uh in everyone's team. So yeah, it was, it was a great experience playing in different parts of the uh, in different parts of pakistan and i think that also helped me captain the team pretty well because most of the girls spent their life in one city so they had their association with the city or the people uh, there but with me i had no association with but one particular city so it was easier for me to unite all the players and make a team, actual team, and start producing results. So I think that was quite helpful.
1: So you were a leader, really, from the beginning, yes. it sounds like. But was it true that that most of the kids playing wherever you were living as you moved around as a child were boys?
2: Yes. I think uh, I've, I've played street cricket for about uh, seven, eight good years or more, uh, I think. And in those seven, eight years, there was only one girl who would play regularly with me. Her name was Sidra. I heard that she got married while she was young. I couldn't meet her afterwards because she was in the other city. We didn't have mobiles at that time. I still don't know where she is. Mm. But she was the only girl in the 10 years who would, I think, consistently play for a couple of years with me. But otherwise, all the other six, seven years, I was the only girl, and I used to play with boys.
1: So when you say you were going around building teams... You would go and what? You would just go and, and knock on doors or go to the pitch and say, hey, you want to, I mean, how did you do that?
2: So I, my father gifted me a bike, a uh, bicycle, when I was sev- five five years old, five, six years old. So I would bike around the neighborhood, uh, ring bells. You're recruiting. And recruiting and, I mean, just saying hi to random people, ri- random kids, and see if they're interested and I always had a bat and ball ready. So we could, I mean, cricket is with, if you are playing street cricket, it can be so creative. You can play with two people, you can play with 20 people. So uh, we would create different games from different number of people. There would be different styles of tosses and how people will get to bat or ball. So I think it, it, it was quite creative in that sense. So I just, I just wanted to play. So I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't, I don't think that I did it. While I was thinking, it, it was quite natural.
1: Yeah, with your bike. and Did you ever get any weird reactions or negative reactions from the boys?
2: So, when I was young, no one noticed because uh, uh, when till 10 or 12 years old, it was not an issue. But after I, I entered my teens, so of course, there was an issue that the girl is on, on the road or t- riding a bike. So, one day I just went to the parlor and cut my hair quite short so people don't know that whether I'm a girl or a boy because a lot of times our our matches used to stop because the car had to pass because we were playing on the road and sometimes the matches had to stop because people started staring oh a girl is playing Mm -hmm. so both the times our time would be wasted and we had limited time because we had to go to schools and we had to have other engagements to just to keep the game moving I just went out and cut my hair short so a lot of people didn't realize for another three years that I was a girl and after that, when when I became older, then I had to stop for a while also. And then I played o- only the other sports at school, uh, at college. So I, I left cricket for three good years when I couldn't play any longer on the street. And then it came back to me when my mother brought an article and she said that, would you like to go and give trials? Yeah.
1: Talk a bit about that article. So basically, it was just a she just it's a magazine article, and it's got a little note saying, "Hey, you can write here if you want to so, play." So,
2: so what happened is that it was my mother when I was like fourteen or fifteen years old that she she came to me and said that now you're growing old and it's better not to be on the streets and playing with the boys. And I was not rebellious. I understood what she was saying and I knew that she was right in her in her own way, so I stopped. I didn't make a fuss out of it. So after four years because she knew cricket was in my heart, I was if even while like doing chemistry diagrams, I would be st- starting f- setting fields instead of the electrons <laughs> and <laughs> neutrons. So she she knew that how much I, I would miss, I was missing it. So there was an article in a newspaper, um, Kiran Buloch, an ex-cricketer, uh, broke a world record a uh, few few months ago. I'd never thought, I never knew there was a women's team and still till that point. So it was her interview in the newspaper and they were recruiting new players. Um and they had an address where we could st- send letters. So so then my mother asked me that why don't you give tries? okay, you don't have to play with boys, you can play with girls, there is a women's team. So that's how I learned about the the cricket team. Otherwise I I never read newspapers, so I would never have known. <laughs>
1: Well, it's a great story. Now, speaking of the, the national team, the women's team in Pakistan was really, I guess, going back just a little over two decades, right? It was just getting started, uh, not only not doing very well, but um, a lot of challenges, no money, not much support, even in some cases death threats against some of the, the, the girls and women who were playing. Um, how did that start to change?
2: So I think um, uh, initially when it started, um, there were two sisters, Khan sisters, who started um, cricket, and they were brought up mostly in UK. So I think there was a bit of, uh, they couldn't understand the culture when they were bringing cricket to Pakistan. They were the pioneers. They brought cricket, women's cricket to Pakistan, but with the death threats and all that stuff, because... I think the country was re- might not be ready for girls playing in shots in, in, at mm-hmm. that point. So I think some of it was a bit of... I think um, uh, it could have been done better. Uh, that's what, what my opinion is. Uh, but all I can say that once women's cricket come under pcb in 2005 we were PCD, culturally the, the pakistan cricket board. cricket board so we were culturally very sensitive about how to how to take cricket forward because we understood that the structures are still not there so we we'll, we will be needing the family support we will be needing the players consent if we want to let the girls play so we were quite culturally sensitive about how to how to basically grow the game because it has to grow into the communities for it to sustain so i think that was our focus uh, when we when i i was leading the team or when we were trying to expand it so i think that's the only difference and then it was the 2010 gold medal uh, before that five six years we played almost for free nothing i mean it was mm-hmm. just the love of cricket and love of the country that we wanted to play for but 2010 asian gold changed everything for us because the, uh, it was a time when it, in pakistan i think participated in more than 50 games in Asia asian games but we hadn't won a gold medal for eight years And uh, the men's team was facing match-fixing and spot-fixing relegations allegations at that point. So the sporting environment was quite low at that point. So at that point, women's team winning the first goal after eight years became big and gave us the much-needed spotlight that we needed at that point to just establish that there's a team who's playing cricket for Pakistan and we need to give focus. So once that happened, that turned things around and we got our first contracts in January 2011 under Bushra Atizaz, who was the chairperson, Sheeran Javed and Bushra Atizaz. And that's when uh, there were first contracts and cricket started becoming semi-professional and more acceptable because, of course, when money comes in, uh, then th- there's another element which is addressed which is an insecurity from the parents that they're leaving their jobs or their studies, right, right. so at least they are getting paid. So that, I think, changes, changed stuff for us. You
1: no, know, it's an interesting thing to think about, stepping back from just cricket alone, is uh, that in other areas, other facets uh, for girls and, and young women in Pakistan, uh, at about the same time or even earlier, Benazir Bhutto was prime minister. So you, ha- you have a woman head of state uh you know whatever one 's politics are yeah. no that barrier was broken, and yet you have all these issues at the same time with girls and and young women getting into sport. Why do you think that was why why, why the difference
2: because I think there's a, theres a when you understand the culture of a country, I think there's a big there has been a big debate of whether girls should come outside of their homes this has been a debate also so participating in outdoor sports is sti- it it was more difficult for people to accept at at some point of time being a leader in working in office working in a meeting room it was different for people but see watching girls run around on an open field it was different for them to accept so I think similarly, when you when you see the the sporting culture in Pakistan, it's very minimum. I, I won't say it's, it's there still. Yeah, still. So, I mean, the girls, the, the games offered at college and school for girls is table tennis, badminton. That's like in a in a closed area. So those kinds of things are still acceptable. But like letting girls play outside was was something very new and was not acceptable. But cricket with this, it's dress code and I think the way we carry, I I do take a lot of credit with all my teammates, the way we were able to um, carry ourselves on and off the field. earned a lot of trust from the people of Pakistan mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the biggest achievements that people felt safe they felt proud we we kept to our values and uh, we did not offend our people i mean we were playing for pakistan not against sometimes when we do some something out of the box we we think that we are defying what has have ever happened but it was not like that we were we were taking the values with us so I think there was a greater acceptability for the team uh, there are still I think exceptions who who do not think that it's they sh- we should be playing but there are very few most of the people are right behind us and it's quite acceptable and so many people want to play let want their daughters to play it just makes my heart very happy now.
1: <laughs> it's lovely. Um, just to take a, we're, we're moving chronologically uh, uh, here, uh, talking to Sana Mir about her life and career, but so let's go backwards for a moment. Clearly, you were just talking about, uh, <laughs> you seem like a born leader going around your neighborhoods uh, recruiting boys to come play when you're a kid, right? But you did something else when I think you were 19 years old. I don't know, and we don't have to get into all the details, That there was some dispute within the cricket world. And you took it upon yourself to write to the then head of state of Pakistan, General Pervez Musharraf. Mm. So that seems like a pretty bold thing to do. Does it take bold leadership for a girl or a woman, or is that just your nature? You know, there was a problem, and you wanted to solve it.
2: Yeah, that, I think that's um, that's that's who I am, and I want to be. Sometimes I'm, I'm not like that. I'm not very consistent. I would say as as I would want to be. Um, but yes, I think I knew I loved the game. I, I wanted to have a team. Uh, so what I understood by meeting one one group of cricket, women of cricket who were representing Pakistan, the PWCCA. So I got to know that there's another group. So this was the Karachi-based group. There was another group in Lahore. So what I knew that there were some really good cricketers there as well. You wanted to bring them in too. So, yeah. So what was happening that the both, the leaders of both the group, the women leaders of both the groups did not want to play with each other or or the players. So what I thought was, because I wanted to be fair while writing to the head of state because I, I was not. I did not want to talk about this group that I was associated with at that at that point. I wanted to talk about what could be better for Pakistan. So what I wrote in the letter was that in my... I've just got to know that there are two groups uh, who want to play cricket. And I've met few players from both sides. And I think both sides have very talented players. So what I wrote in the letter was that you just have... Please have neutral selectors. And invite both the groups and select the best team for Pakistan. So that is all I wrote in the letter. I never received a reply of the letter, but what I received was an in- invitation to come and attend the camp. So then I was I didn't write it for myself. I, I could have just because I thought I think this was the right thing to do. And then when I got that letter, I, I told uh, the team I was playing for that they are asking me to go there and they said, They didn't reply anything, but I still went on. And then what happened was uh, most of the... Because I was from the Karachi group at that point, and then I went to the Loha group, and then I told the Karachi girls that everything is fine, you can also come, and then we all got together. And then after a transition of one year, it happened that both players from both the teams, the best players from both the groups got in together. And by 2008, 2009, we 2010, to we team. started
0: to build the team. Hi, Abby here. We're going to take a short break to talk about Asia Society's YouTube channel, which has more than 130,000 subscribers. Hundreds of our public programs each year are recorded and published on YouTube. And there's a lot more. You can watch videos on a huge range of topics Everything from the controversy of Huawei to the rise of K-pop in Bollywood to North Korea's nuclear program, all featuring insightful people from around the world. So whether you live near Asia Society or not, please be sure to subscribe at youtube.com slash Asia Society. That's youtube.com slash Asia Society. And now let's go back to Sanamir and Tom Nagorski.
1: So. Then you get the gold medal in 2010 at the Asian Games and given where cricket had been for girls and women in Pakistan when you were younger, given your own leadership and bringing the team together, describe that moment just as a personal thing when when you won and, and, and took that medal.
2: To be honest, we did not understand what what we were doing at that point because we thought we were thinking in cricketing terms that there's a Bangladesh and the other teams were like the starters. I mean they were Sri Lanka was not there, India was not there. So we thought we hadn't achieved a really big thing but we didn't we didn't think at that point that we haven't won a gold medal for eight years. the nation has not won. So in cricketing terms it was not a very big achievement the 2010. But the impact was huge because the reach was great. But the 2014 gold medal was bigger because we had expectation. A lot of people when we won um, the 2010 gold medal when we went back home. So a lot of people criticized that there was no Sri Lanka or India. Mm. So there's no big deal. Yeah, there's no big deal that you won. So but we said we did not stop them for coming. (laughs) If they did not come, we still have a gold medal. So. What happened in the next four years, the expectation became higher. Sri Lanka came back in and, and Bangladesh became very stronger as, right. as a cricketing nation, women's cricketing nation. So the tournament was quite tough and we, we just won on the last over. And I think that for me was, was a bigger moment um, because it, like sometimes when we do, you do good stuff, a lot of people say it's, it was a fluke. For, for the team to understand that they are good enough, that built the character yep. of the team. I think that's the the way we defended the gold medal. I think for me as a leader, that was a bigger moment because achieving it once and not having the best teams were there, it was good. It it did what we needed it to do. But the 2014 was, was something that I think I, I rate higher. Mm. And then beating India in the World Cup uh, in two thousand uh 12 for the first time so men's team has not done it till now and we have done it twice so Mm, i nice going (laughs) so i think that was something also that established the women's team and people started looking up to the women's team that okay we are not spending that much money but they are giving better results (laughs) so they started i don't believe in comparing but but that that started to build the profile of women's team. you can't
1: argue with results speaking of moments uh there, I don't know if it was a single moment or many moments when, uh, we've been talking a lot about your leadership, when you started to, you know, take your success, your fame, you have a big, now you have a big, big social media following and all the rest and to start to use it in different ways. Was there a moment when you thought, okay, I I need to be more than just an athlete? And uh, how did that happen and how has it evolved?
2: I mean, being an athlete definitely um, completed me, I would say. When I had to leave cricket, I, f- I used to feel half. I mean, when I was not playing a sport, I, I didn't feel like myself. And once I, I went into sport, I started feeling whole again. I mean, it was a difficult time. I was young, I was a teenage, I had to leave. But I don't seem, I've never seen myself only as an athlete. And uh, the poem I think I I mentioned in speech last uh, yesterday also talks about a wholesome approach of of how a human development should happen, and I think um, since since childhood because I think ch- children are so they can be affected and influenced and like reading this poem, every singing this poem every single day for three years it just. Got into my system. That that's how I sh- we should be, and so I I tried to I tried to be there when someone is weak and cannot say things. So whether it was cricket, whether it was it was in in a classroom, whether it was on the streets, because mostly I would the most most of my players on the team were uh, the kids of the soldiers, not the officers, mm. because the officers' kids wanted to study more and they were more into studies and so sometimes i would play for the with the uh, uh, kids of the soldiers and the hierarchy there also sometimes people would not treat them the right way and i would just stand up for them also so i mean it was not it was not something that happened not a at, moment not mm. a moment it was it was the way i wanted to live and I think unconsciously it's it has to be a lot of the upbringing I think with with my parents they have allowed it they have encouraged it within the within the children and I think it's 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 just the, the part of who I am i don't see th- I don't see these two things separate I think it's a, it's a part of my personality that I'm a cricketer, and I try to raise my voice when I can. So sometimes you have been, you have to be the voc- vocal person. Sometimes you have to be, be the marketeer for the team. Sometimes you have to be the face of the team. Sometimes you have to be the selector, the coach and the physio. You have to just step in. Now we have got all these professionals who are dealing with these things, but at some point we had to do all these things ourselves.
1: And one of your, your core causes, I guess, and it makes sense, has been to improve... Uh, the circumstances, the chances for girls who want to, whether it's cricket or other sports to get involved. Can you talk a little bit uh, about the positive changes that have happened uh, over the last, I guess, the course of your career, really, um, for girls and women um, in sport? Not only, I mean, obviously you guys won, Uh, you know, you you beat India, you won those, the, the Asian games, but what else has happened that you would say you're proud of in terms of successes in that area
2: i mean um there's a big list now it's it's difficult <laughs> for me to even remember there's a girl from quetta nargis hazara who is a karate champion now she has gold, won gold medals uh, for pakistan there's a girl who's i don't remember the name who, who is uh, won two weightlifting uh, one gold and one silver mm. in uk and different parts of the world then there's a there's a girl, uh, then we have got football champions like Hadra and Karishma uh, uh, Inayat. Karishma is, is uh, she has a club of 200 girls in in Gilgit Hunza. Mm-hmm. And she's she's helping the girls to become cricket, uh, become football players. She couldn't pursue it herself. I mean, professionally, because there's so much conflict of the football board federations in, in Pakistan. But she's like preparing a whole she's, she's doing what
1: you did for soccer uh, i mean now, right? yeah sort of. I, mean,
2: I mean i i i, I think she she might be doing more hmm. and then there's hajra who's talking about men, mental hmm. uh, mental illness and then there's this sana who's who was the basketball uh, who's who was the football captain now she's the basketball captain for pakistan hmm. There's naseem hamid there's so many amazing women doing um, amazing things in hmm. sports in pakistan I, it's difficult we have got layari boxers yeah so i mean the the overall the it has it just it it has changed the game has yeah. changed in pakistan for for women in sports so i think it's very heartening it's it's amazing to see then we have got an mma fighter from gilgit and what's the amazing thing is that her brother... I'm sorry, Anita, am not know what an
1: MMA fighter is.
2: Um, I don't oh, know. The mi- mixed martial arts. Mi- mixed uh-huh. martial arts. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So her, her, an, Anita, uh, her, her name is Anita, and her brother was also an MMA fighter. So he trained her. Wow. So I mean, they're wonderful stories. And there's another thing that I want to do, really want to do, to bring these stories, uh, whether it's in a video format or like just collect these stories and yep. bring it forward because... Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing uh, what what Pakistan what's happening in Pakistan as far as female sports is concerned.
1: You mentioned uh,
2: uh,
1: an athlete cha- training his sister. Let's talk for a moment about uh, the role of of men in the advancement of women, which is a theme whether you're talking about sports or anything else. Yeah. Uh, you and others have credited your father, uh, you know, for, for helping in this regard. What more needs to be done, uh, on that side of the equation, uh, whether it's, it's father's brothers, um, to just help with the kind of work that you're so involved with in advancing women's empowerment. I
2: think, um, it's, it's extremely important the support of the men in your family and we should be more supportive to them also i think it's 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 a mutual thing um my brother was my first coach my father just stood by me whenever i needed him so i think the men how the world needs to go forward again i i want to say that we have to not see it through the gender lens we have to support each other that's that's the main thing whether it's a man who needs support whether it's a woman who needs support whatever is appropriate in that moment whoever needs the support in the moment we need to we need to support each other for example um chaya sharma is here because her husband is taking care of the kids there would be a time when the Husband has to go. She'll be taking care of right. the kids. So I mean, that's the teamwork we need uh, right. for for to to move forward in the world and and be more successful. Uh, human beings, I think. So I think uh, we we have a lot of other campaigns like he to she, he for she campaigns mm-hmm. and all. So I think there there should be more recognition to to these men who have stood f- with us with with the strong women. We need to encourage them more. So other men feel encouraged also because we we do talk about we have tons of stories about men who restricted the women and then the women fought and all that stuff but those are the men we should not be talking about I right. mean, i mean why why are we giving our time and energy to such men yeah. we should be making heroes out of the men who are being supportive yeah. so i think that's what i think we should be doing uh,
1: now i assume most of our listeners uh, are well aware that uh, uh, the current prime minister of pakistan uh, was uh, in another life, uh, a cricket <laughs> champion, and, and that's where he got his fame before he, he moved into, into politics, Imran Khan. Um, what, uh, what do you think uh, he can be doing? I gather you've never met him uh, to take things a step further for, uh, for women in the sport, in cricket in particular.
2: I think yeah, I've I've never met him. What I think is he, the biggest positive is that he understand what sports can do to a person. I mean, his personality you cannot take sport out of it. Whoever he is today is because of, because of his participation in his journey through cricket, and uh, it 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 can affect the same way. The sport is going to affect the same way. A girl, is, it's, it's going to affect the girl the same way it affects the boy. So I think uh, he understands what sport can do mm. to h- human development. And in Pakistan, we definitely need to work on human development. Yeah. And sport can be cricket in particular because it's very popular. But sport as a whole can be a wonderful tool yeah. to basically do that for Pakistan, educate kids, make them healthy, uh, build communities through sport. Uh, build leaders through sports. I think there's so much we can do mm. we can do through sports and I don't think of anyone better to At the head of affairs to who understands this uh, So I'm I really whenever I'm going to meet him. I'm definitely going to say that to him that we need his support yeah. especially the women
1: now it seems strange because you're a very young woman still but uh I guess the retirement age for a professional cricketer is is about uh, where where you're at. You're 33 now, right?
2: Yeah, almost 34.
1: Right. Okay. <laughs> um, and you've sort of had a retirement once already. Uh, do you uh, think in your mind on the in in the calendar in your brain? Okay, it's that time is coming soon, or you just play until? Uh, so
2: I've been playing. Um, for the last two years, every tournament is my last tournament. <laughs> 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 so I go into a tournament uh, with the passion that, okay, this might be my last one. I'm going to give all uh, my all for the That's tournament. That's a good
1: way to play, right? So...
2: It it has become such a good way to play that it has improved my performance. So, the next... uh, The coach and the captain want me to play. I also want myself to play. So, I'm going to continue that because it's working for me and the team. I'm going to continue doing that um, for the next one year or six months, whatever time it is. So, uh, let's see. Um, I don't don't plan too much ahead. I think sometimes life just happens. And uh, so, I'm going to continue thinking that the next tournament might be my last and I have to give my 100% and then see what life brings yeah. well, to Well,
1: they me. say, you know, live every day like it's your last. So yeah. every tournament like it's in that. Yeah. Now, then let's talk for a moment uh, before we leave our conversation with San Amir about life after cricket. Uh, there's a great number of uh, athletes precedent around the world. Uh, I think when I listen to you about the great tennis icon, Billie Jean King, who uh, had a tremendous career and has had an incredibly impactful life uh, since then um, as an advocate primarily for women's issues in sport, but many other things. Yao Ming in China has become a, a great uh, um, uh, advocate for environmental causes there. Do you, with all the things you've been involved with, do you do you think much now about a particular issue or cause that you think you'd like to uh
2: so I would like to thank Asia Society for ask, for giving me this award and asking me to prepare a two-minute speech. <laughs> what happened in the process that while I was preparing the speech, I wanted to say so much, I wanted to talk about so much, and it helped me, the 2 minutes deadline, which I did not follow, and I followed it to three minutes. It helped me uh, f- make me understand what was really close to my heart. So I think the three issues that I pointed, the children... Uh, displaced children, whether it's through war or any other thing. I think that's something I would love to work with. Uh, Women, uh, their empowerment and helping each other, building communities. I think that's something very important to my heart. And climate change, because these are the three things that Pakistan is being affected and worldwide, I think, we are all all seeing the shift and we, we understand, everyone understands that these are the major issues and as many people get involved in these issues, it's still less because there's so much to, to be done in all the three areas that I think uh, I might be, it, it, my focus has I think narrowed down thanks to to you guys uh, for making me work sure. hard and uh, like look inwards for what is really, really important to me. So yeah, I think I've I've just narrowed down a little bit. Uh, so, I'm going to work on it for a few few more months and see what I want to do, but I definitely want to serve these three sets of people if life permits me and if God permits me.
1: Last question for you, San Amir. You, you were given uh, the Asia Society's Asia Game Changer Award for 2019 and for all your achievements on and off the pitch, uh, and in accepting the award you read uh, from a work by the great poet Mohammed Iqbal, uh, Prayer of a Child. Can you, uh, I wonder if you could read uh, that line or those lines again and explain
2: why they touched you. So it's a beautiful poem. It starts like this. Um, I mean, in this poem, the poets talk about a prayer of a child who wants to basically chase away the darkness and the light of the world through light, uh, uh, chase away the darkness of the world through light and love and, and serve the humanity. And when they talk about humanity, they do not distinguish, the poem does not distinguish between any person with any caste, religion, color, or the child, whether the child is a girl or a boy. So I felt very included when I used to read it every morning, I felt included that this can be a prayer from my heart also, because Urdu has words that that can clearly say that it's a boy word or a girl word, but it it was not in the poem, It's it's written in a manner that it it it's very open for everyone so I felt very included and I think it became a reason of how I think and what I want to do in life and uh, that's why I think even now if I get distracted and I become negative at times we all do so I do turn back to the poem I, I do turn back that what are the, what is the simple thing that we we are here to do so I think it's a good direction for me mm. and a good compass for me and uh, it it it, it's kind of the core values of, of a human being. I think it, it, it can be defined in this poem. It's very powerful. Iqbal's all other work is very powerful uh, on self and khudi and all that stuff. So I think uh, it's, it's amazing that uh, how, how children get affected. I think uh, it's difficult to get that out of my system, and I would not rather do that also.
1: Great. Sanamir, thank you so much for being with us at the Age Society. We really appreciate it.
2: You're most welcome. I love being here. Thank you.
1: Shukriya.
0: Shukriya. That'll do it for this week's episode of Asia In Depth. You can check out our show page at asiasociety.org podcast and subscribe on iTunes. Please be sure to keep up with everything going on in Asia Society's universe by following us on Facebook and Twitter at Asia Society. In our next episode, Asia Society's Mats speaks with award-winning BuzzFeed correspondent Megha Rajagopalan. Let's take a listen. In my opinion, it is one of the, uh, the worst human rights crises in the world. Um, it is an attempt by one of the world's most powerful authoritarian governments to erase and remake the culture of um, some 11 million people. And it is essentially a form of collective justice um, against an ethic group for um, the actions of a very small handful that have al- already sort of been brought to justice through the criminal justice process. I'm Abby safe. See you next time.